Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the third Sunday of Easter, and we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which was Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 20. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. break my usual form today and not preach about Jesus. I normally would, but today I want to preach about Saul. I once heard a sermon by Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, the Bishop of the Diocese of Indianapolis, at the Forma Conference in 2019 about the conversion of Saul. It was a great sermon, and I recommend it to you. It's on YouTube if you're interested. But one of the things that Bishop Jennifer said in the sermon was that Paul, complicated man that he was, was converted and not perfected. I want to start here because if we want to find any meaning in the story of Saul's conversion, it might help us to set aside our own personal opinions of Paul and experience with Paul's letters just for the moment. (laughs) So let's start from the beginning. Saul is a known enemy of the church. He stood idly by and approved the stoning of Stephen in chapter 7. In chapter 8, Saul enters the homes of Christians and drags out men and women and takes them to jail. When we find Saul in chapter 9, he's actively on his way to Damascus to to continue his persecution there. And it's while Saul's on the road, actively on his way to persecute more followers of Christ, that he encounters the risen Christ himself and has his conversion experience. He's hit head-on with a bright light that makes him fall down, and the voice of Christ asking why he has been persecuting him. And Saul knows right away that it's Jesus. Jesus tells him to go into Damascus and wait for further instructions. Only now Saul can't see anymore, so the people traveling with him have to help him into the city, where he stayed for three days without being able to see. While Saul's in Damascus, Jesus sends one of the disciples, Ananias, to restore Saul's sight and give him a message. Naturally, Ananias is not super into this plan on account of Saul's history of violence and persecution of Christians. (laughs) Nevertheless, he heeds Jesus' instructions, and he enters the house and restores Saul's sight. Then Saul's baptized, he eats a little bit, and regains his strength. That's where our story ends this morning. But in the very next verses, Saul is already preaching that Jesus is the Son of God, less than a week after having been on his way to Damascus to persecute people who believed this very thing. Now, the conversion experience that Saul has can only be described as an abrupt and total reversal. It's like a car chase scene in a movie where the people being chased are traveling at top speed and then they engage their emergency brake and they drift for a minute and then they take off going the other direction. Think like the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, for example. (laughs) Saul is speeding toward Damascus with with persecution on his brain. And then Jesus comes in, he's set adrift for a few days, and then after having been turned completely around, he speeds off in the other direction, telling anyone and everyone that Jesus is the Son of God. I can imagine that not many of us have experienced a conversion like that. A conversion that sets us so immediately and so completely on a new course. My own conversion, and perhaps yours as well, was more like the chase scene in Austin Powers. 
You know, the one where he's, in, he's trying to escape on that luggage cart, the kind that they use at the airport, and he goes down this narrow hallway with cement walls on both sides. He eventually comes, in, in, it comes into a barrier that he can't pass, and so he tries to back out. You've seen this movie, yes? Yeah. He tries to back out, and then he can't because it's too narrow where he is, and he backs like this, and then he pulls forward, and what should have been a three-point turn turns into about a thousand-point turn. The movie cuts away to see what other characters are doing, cuts back, and he's still jamming his way through, trying to turn around. At one point, he's completely uh, perpendicular to the alleyway that he's in. So he's stuck for a seemingly interminable amount of time, making extremely limited progress, trying to make a turn, a three-point turn that turns into about 1,000. The first part of the experience is the same, though. He encounters a barrier to his current direction, something that absolutely will not allow him to carry on in the same way. But his process to begin moving in another direction takes time. It causes a lot of frustration, and it means that he has to start over time and time again. This sounds a little more familiar to me. The times that I've been called to conversion in my own Christian life have been more like that. I have some sort of realization that I haven't been living right, and I begin the slow and sometimes frustrating process of turning around and reorienting my life toward Christ. This has happened for me quite a few times in my life. I don't think conversion only happens once. We are called as Christians to reorient our lives toward Jesus Christ, and, we start, and when we start to veer from that orientation, usually we have some sort of conversion experience that sets us on the path back toward Jesus. And that change in direction, that reorientation to Christ, has ripple effects that are felt in every part of our lives. Maybe we don't have as outwardly and obvious a change of direction as Saul does, but it should have as far-reaching of an impact in our hearts. So, back to Austin Powers and why it's so hard turning around. In my own experience, the walls around me creating that narrow hallway in which it's incredibly difficult to turn around are built up higher and higher by my own inattention to where God is working in my life and in the world around me. They are built up by the way in which I let myself fall into patterns of speech and behavior that I don't even think about. When I stop actively pointing my life toward Christ, I begin to passively, without even realizing it, point my life away from Christ. And all of a sudden, I find myself in the narrow passage between two walls, and it's not until some sort of barrier comes up and shows me in no uncertain terms that I've been headed in the wrong direction. The further down that road we let ourselves go, the harder it is to turn around. And we're forced to peel back the layers of our lives one by one until we create just enough space to turn around. But just like in Austin Powers, there's a lot of bashing and denting that happens along the way as we crash into those walls we've created around us. I have no doubt that Saul experienced the pain of this bashing and denting as well, even if his about face was a little more abrupt. After all, he has to go back to the exact places where he has caused pain for others and tell them that he was wrong. You don't get out of an experience like that without coming face to face with your own shame and pain. But Saul was surrounded by other disciples. They believed in his conversion, and they supported him. Ananias healed him and restored his sight. The disciples baptized him and fed him. 
they gave him somewhere to stay. Saul wasn't alone. Even though our own conversion moments are deeply personal and may be invisible to anyone else, we are supported by our community of faith to make the turn toward Jesus. We are nourished in community, in word, and sacraments to do the painful work of turning around. It won't leave us toward, without dents, especially when we, like Saul, have to return to the people we've hurt and say that we were wrong. But we are called by Christ to get up and do it anyway. And we're called to support one another in reorienting our lives toward Christ. Remembering that like Saul, we're converted and not perfected. Always being called to reorient our lives to Christ over and over again.